Hello and welcome to the Men on Mission podcast. Lindsay Beister here. And today we have a guest, Toph Evans, in the house. And I am stoked to be sitting across from him because we have sat for hours in circle together over the years. And it's been a few years since we've really caught up in person and interacted with each other. But a couple of weeks back, I was on a mountaintop at an epic party and Toph was there and it was great. There was a conversation had around podcasting and he's a wizard and he got me so inspired by it that I tried to inspire him back by, you know, setting him free with his work and what he's up to right now. And I'm stoked to have you sitting here, man. So just welcome. Thank you for coming. Thanks, brother. Mm. I appreciate it. Yeah. And so MKP, as you guys probably know, I've chatted about it quite a bit. What uh, what brought you to MKP? What brought you to men's work? Oh, man. And I'm just going to go straight in. I had resorted back to self-harm. Yeah. And I was going through identity crisis. The funny thing is, leading up to that exact point, I had been av- like a massive mental health advocate. I'd been all about resilience. I put my body through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles of running. Yeah, you were a long distance runner. That's right. Yeah. To advocate like stronger mind, stronger body. And I went through an identity crisis where I didn't want to be an ultra runner anymore. And I lost myself as a person. Mm. It was, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I felt like I was incongruent with who I was as a person. Mm -hmm. So... I resorted to physical pain so that I could feel myself again. Mm. How? How did you do that? And I'm, I'm sure you were probably running when you realized this too. <laughs> I resorted to cutting. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Like I, I tried all sorts of all sorts of things where just drinking myself silly, taking all sorts of recreational drugs because I wasn't happy with the person I was. Mm. And I had that was a a certain type of coping mechanism that I had that led me to all the running and all that, that I reached out to a, to a mate who is a really good friend of mine. And he said, go to this circle, message this guy, he'll meet you there, went to it. And I was shivering when I got in there, man. I was shaking. One of my good mates, he, um, he was there that day. This is a different friend. And he was like, I remember your first circle. And you were like trembling when you're in there. And I'm like, that's amazing to hear how much growth I've had since then. So I think I have to acknowledge myself from that. Mm. But yeah, that was my first time. Wild. Yeah. And so this friend that invited you in was someone that knew men's work. Do I know them? Is it is it someone that I know or is it like just somebody that, had that knowledge of of men's work were they a local person as well yeah do you know brandon clift yeah yeah it was brandon oh right cool yeah yeah right oh yeah fitness he had um never quit or zone zone too yeah and then the guy that i know who rides motorbikes with me bought the exact same bike that i used to have and he bought the gym oh really yeah so yeah and um but brandon's awesome man what a guy yeah so how did you know him mutual friend from pre-men's work um he was doing a whole bunch of charity stuff i was doing a whole bunch of charity stuff at the same time and a a mutual friend of ours connected us and we hit like we hit it off man we're like long lost brothers Mm. and yeah you guys have similar energy yeah and we we did a project together and he was going back and forth between between gold coast and and the states that yeah when when he was here it was it was amazing and then finally went to the circle thing that he kept talking about this whole mkp he kept telling me about he would go up to this mountain this is his eighth time going up this mountain i was like i don't know what you're talking about man but it sounds cool i guess mm. and then when i finally went to my first ever i group or first circle it made me wonder oh now i get it mm. this is cool Mm. even though I'm like going through despair and disparity and have no clue on what's going on right now. This is, this is really cool. Yeah. So I got curious with it. Yeah. And so 
the coping mechanism for you inside of this there's like it's that's big man like what you're going through and i don't want to just you know brush past it what um what's the visceral sensation that you're looking for when that happens when you're turning to something like cutting what what's the outcome is it to feel what do you what do you need in that moment it's a validation thing like i never felt enough when i did it i never felt like i had just this huge gaping void inside of me and feeling like i was never complete never whole Mm. So the numbness of is from suppression, suppressing my own emotion. The numbness is from whatever toxin I had in my body. It's from procrastination. It's from not dealing with the shadows, not dealing with the fear at the time yeah. because I was too scared to face it. Mm. The, um, the fight, flight, freeze or please um, that I speak about quite a bit is the disassociation that I feel like a lot of men come up against when they feel overwhelmed and the overwhelmed feeling can lead to any of those four things. And when you say, uh, I didn't feel whole, was there pressure for you? Like growing up to be a certain way? Was it your own ideology that you had that made you like, is it a high achiever or to be a high achiever? Was that intrinsic into you or is that, instilled upon you i would say it was intrinsic within myself Mm -hmm. my parents weren't really ones to force me to be like hypothetically a doctor or an engineer even though i did engineering for like six or seven years (laughs) i was always someone that wanted to strive it it was a double-edged sword i wanted to strive as much as possible but it was almost like i needed to be at this level so people could see me Mm. I wanted to be at this because this is what the social blueprint has been telling me. Society, society, from a society standpoint, I have to be at this point. And I always felt like a black sheep. Like even today, I still feel like a black sheep that I wanted to do things my way, but I wanted to put my twist on it. But I also wanted to be better than anyone else. Mm. It's kind of like an FU mentality. Yeah. We did, um, we did a shadow piece in my men's group on Monday night and it's like, it's a shadow piece of the magician where you get to talk about what's you, your unique story that makes you different to everybody else and it can be good or bad and it's not a boasting piece but you can actually like deep dive into that. Men had five minutes to share each of theirs and um, it's a powerful piece, you know, like realizing that everyone has some type of story of why they suffer i've suffered more so therefore da 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 or i'm not quite this certain way so i have to do that you know so yeah hearing that's just like what a timely thing because it sounds to me like you've got strong magician energy Mm. it's funny you say that because i'm naturally in warrior lover mode but i can be magician especially when I'm overthinking things. It's trickster comes out more than anything. Yeah. And then the masochism with putting the sword of myself in warrior mode and then the saddest with, um, you know, I, I don't care about anyone else. And then, then the tyrant comes out. Yeah. Lastly. Mm. Me, myself, recovering as a, like, a self-diagnosed masochist, like big time, just suffering is my superpower. It's like I'm able to suffer forever. You know, load me up, give me more, give me more things to do, give me more stuff to do and I'll just bear it. Can I touch on that? Yeah. Has that made you more compassionate to other people that are suffering because you know what it feels like to suffer? Yes and no. Uh, I have empathy for people because I get that there is a lot of suffering, but there's also a part of me that really loves hard work. And if other people are lazy, then I have judgments on them for being lazy. So it's a, it's a, I'm, I'm more grappling at that end of it at the moment where I'm like, I need to have compassion that people might not work as hard as I do, you know, or care as much as I do or whatever it might be. So my masochism shows up in, yeah, putting myself into hard situations and then having to slog it out. That Mm. was, that 
that's how I got to men's group is I just basically blew myself up. I, uh, I've worked in a business 120 hours a week for as long as I possibly could until the engine blew up in my body basically. And yeah, that, that led me to just like shutting my gym, my relationship nearly blew up as well, all in the same week, four days apart, you know, and I just like caved. Like I thought I'd fallen off my chair, but I actually fell off my chair and then fell off a cliff is what it felt like for me. And then that's two weeks later, I went and did MKP, went and did the rites of passage. So what were your coping mechanisms when you fell off the metaphorical chair and then the cliff? What did that look like for yourself to deal with the pain? Self-isolation. And usually I'd be somebody that would do the opposite. So I I was someone that used to have 100 conversations with 100 different people a day. And when I shut my gym and I didn't have all those clients to sort of interact with, I was just alone. And then I thought when I shut my gym, I can talk to, like I can make my priority now, um, you know, like my partner and my kid and myself and just bring back my health and a whole bunch of other things. And then to to realize that that was also potentially gone as well. It just made me just look at myself and my son, you know, basically it was those two things. So I just went from this social being to basically disappearing. And that was my coping was just to like hibernate. I just went so far into myself. And usually I would comfort myself with food and I stopped doing that. So... It, through the stress of the like the months past shutting my club and nearly losing my marriage, I dropped 20 kilos, you know, and all these other things happened where it was just like everything that I'd been doing that wasn't working, I just stopped. You know, I just knew that I just needed to change most of the things in my life. So, yeah, that was my coping. My coping was to not do what I'd already, always already did, you know. I just needed a total shake-up. And what I know now from doing the pit training after MKP weekend is that my just my natural order, my life's order was out. I had my work first, I had my partner second, my family third, and me last. And I'd been doing that for years. And I wasn't training, even though I owned a gym, and I wasn't looking after myself, and I was sleep, sleep deprived, and yeah, just yeah, wild at the time. And yeah, it basically just went, well, the only thing you've got right now is yourself everything else is basically gone and I see that as a blessing it didn't feel like it at the time it felt like I was dying and I nearly did you know so it's just like I'm so glad I had brothers so glad I had people to talk to and that would call me back when I was feeling like I was going to end it all you know so that that part of me is like yeah great I wouldn't change a thing What do your coping mechanisms look like today? If you were going to go, th- if you were going through some sort of adversity, is it still the isolation? Is it still overeating? Do they come back in, or I think it's still there. I think this is the thing that I'm I'm studying somatic psychotherapy at the moment. This Hakomi um, techniques, and I realize that it's like you never. It's almost like you never get rid of your habit. You just learn to manage it. Like the desire is always there. That dopamine hit that you know that you can get from whatever it is that helps you subside the the pain or whatever it is. It feels like it's always a managing thing. It's like if I've smoked before, it's like, I could definitely go that, you know, because I know it sort of clicks it over. It makes me feel better. What I do now generally is I write and I reach out. So I journal internally. And then externally, I have support. So I have brothers that actually live with me that are deep into men's work as well. So I have support, you know. And what I don't do these days is run to my partner anymore. Because that's what, used to, what I used to do, was I'd always be interacting with my partner and get, having her be my emotional support. And when that was not available to me, when I shut the gym down, it made me realize that i I was leaning on her too hard and that made the relationship more strained. So Mm. it's like nowadays, instead of going to my partner for everything or for support or love or connection or to hear me is I go to my friends and as in my brothers. 
specifically that know how to hold space. And I can then just vent whatever there is to vent and get clear. So then I can come back with like an open, loving presence rather than dumping on my partner to try and fix it, which is basically my mum. You know, I'm not treating my partner as my mum anymore. Oh my gosh. That's, I remember I did a, a retreat with like Brooke and Carol. Yeah, uh, ultimate relations. <laughs> Which and I still haven't done. I'm so keen. And one of the, <laughs> one of the things was, is your partner, your mum or your dad? And I looked at my partner and I just went, mum. <laughs> like whispered mum. And she's like, so taken aback. <laughs> what the fuck is yeah. going on? <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's just like, oh. And then you realize, when did you do your initiation with MKP? March 2019. All right, cool. So, w- inside of that weekend where you realize the key to your wild man's under your mother's pillow, it's like, no, like getting that for the first time, I was just like, oh, I need to get off the metaphor- metaphor- metaphorical tit, basically. It's like, oh, I need to cut that cord, you know? I need to get my balls back. I need to step into this and not treating my partner like my mom, even though I'm not actively trying to do that. But is there's a part of me that's like, it's the first person that you love as a little kid is your is your parents, and it's just like the opposite sex is the is the role model that you start to interact with, and it's just like oh I gotta stop all that. It's like not healthy for me, especially being in such a long term relationship. Yeah, it it's like as it, it removes your independence, removes my independence. Mm. That's that's the first thing I feel from something like that. It's. I'm relying too much on other people when I need to take ownership of my own shit. Yeah. You know, and it's just like in this moment, what do I need? And that's what I did back in 2018. It was like once I went up the mountain and came back, it was like, oh, there's this. I had a big story, right, around safety and men. And that was from my childhood. And one of my traumas around that, I had a traumatic experience and it wasn't me that had the trauma, but I witnessed something and it affected me. And I didn't know that until I was like 34, you know, how much it actually affected me. And my piece around it was that I just didn't feel safe around men. And to go up to that mountain and have 70 loving, open-hearted men holding space for me and holding energy was like the most safe held experience of my life at the time it was just like this just like blew all my beliefs away you know for the first time it was like i let it in i got to be held and that experience of like love and connection was just like life-changing you know absolutely life-changing and i totally forgot where i was going with that (laughs) was it all all men that like you won't feel safer and is it specific men or all men there was a lack of trust in men, any man, because what I know now is, and we all have this, we all have the victim, we all have the rescuer, we all have the perpetrator inside of us all. You know, we have a king, warrior, lover, and a magician inside of us. So it's not to say that we can't be those things. It's like, you know, each each individual could kill, each individual could hurt somebody. You know, we are capable of that. But there was a part of me that was running this story that unspeknown to me that it was just like the even the nicer seemed like it was the more untrustworthy for me. It was like because I had a story that, you know, all men are assholes or all men are unsafe. And so I would see men as not as competition, but as like a as a concern. I was on alert. A threat. Not a threat to me, but a threat to women is what I had the experience of. So I was always putting myself into a rescuer role. I felt like that, you know? And that was the role I was most comfortable with when it came to like the drama triangle or being... And the light side of a rescuer is a coach. And that's what I did for 10 years was coaching people. 15 years of coaching, you know? And I still do it now, but now I do it consciously rather than unconscious with all the background stories running behind it. So, mm. it's good to know these things oh. so you can live the life free, right? My highest value is freedom. 
So it's like getting to be free inside of it, getting to choose how I do my life in a, in a clean way, in a congruent way. Feels really good. So. The opposite of like a, well, not the opposite, I should say. When I hear rescuer, I hear people pleaser as well. 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm re- rehabbing nice guy, suffering from nice guy syndrome my whole life. Because the flip side of that is if I can't be a perpetrator, if I'm scared that I might hurt or upset a woman, then I could be labeled terrible. So like if I liked someone, I'd never take any action around it because I never wanted to feel like that made that person uncomfortable, you know, and that's like how it's played out my whole life. How I got into a 20-year relationship, I still, you know, like it's just by, I feel like by luck because it's inside of that period of time where it's like, how do you actually meet somebody? How do you actually like, unless they make it really obvious, there was no way I was taking any action around it, you know, it's too afraid. Not afraid to be rejected, afraid that they would not say what they were really feeling. You know, and then later on feel remorseful or terrified or bad that, you know, they said yes, but what they really wanted to say was no or some version of that. So I just ran for the hills. Stepped, just stayed real clear of any of that. Yeah. And then, yeah, the same with men. But, you know, funnily enough, felt really comfortable around women my whole life and to a large degree knew a lot of men but just never felt like there was a leader that I could like aspire to be. You know, I remember my wife going, uh, you know, like, who do you look up to? You know, and it's just like, oh, I just don't really feel like I look up to anybody in particular. Nowadays, I look up to so many men. Like I look up to you even and I look up to Brooke and I look after all these epic leaders in the community because they've got so much gold inside of them. I can actually see and feel and let their gold in. You know, because I'm safe inside of myself enough that their love can penetrate me, you know, can actually go in. I'm not like, I haven't got my shield up the whole time. And recovering from the masochism, I can actually let the love in. Because a masochist will just not let it in. It's too busy suffering instead. Mm. Mm. The whole masochism... And I, I want to shed light on this because I haven't... The only person I've actually spoken to about this is my partner. But I'm like a good year no porn. Great. That is so unfathomable for me to say. That was my go-to if I was feeling low. The go-to was just watching porn and just really like going at it as well. Yeah, right. And it got to a point where it's like a Netflix series. Like, I'm, like, I'm not in the mood for that. Let's watch some weirder shit. Yeah. And... Now I have any sort of lull or low, I don't resort to porn. It's amazing. Mm. Like as much as like I want to, it's like it's not going to do me any good. No, it doesn't. No. How did you, how did that come about? What was it? What was your, I guess this is a good segue to go into like how was sex spoken about as a kid to you? Uh, dad would show me like emails he got from mates. He's like naughty emails and it's just love like naked chicks. And I'm like, dude, I'm 10. Well, what is this? And like, this is how I'm being taught. And I'm being taught from like at school, like the anatomy of the body, but I'm not taught how to like porn taught me how sex works. Right. But it, it really fucked it whole up for me. Because I'm like, oh, it's meant to look like this and my cock isn't that big. And we're meant to be in these weird role plays and it's meant to look like this. And that was the big reason why I stopped it. When I realized like what it was doing to me in my sex life. Mm. Like I wouldn't, I got to a point where before I met my partner, I would, I had to rely on alcohol to get it up and to have sex itself. Mm-hmm. I could never come because I'm so full of toxins that is preventing any sort of like ejaculation. And then when I'm having sex with the woman, I'm not even thinking of them. I'm thinking about the porn that I just watched like not so long ago. Mm. So I had to openly share that with my partner and then say to her, like, 
I'm quitting this and I'm going to give you some sort of justification why. Like I know like whatever sort of connotation there is around porn, but for me, I have to stop this or else I'm not doing, I'm not going to be present in this. So that's why I have to quit this as well because this is not doing any good for me. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so how did that conversation go? She was supportive. Yeah? Hmm. Awesome. Because... For me, that was not something that I grew up with. It was not on the cards. I, I grew up with dial-up internet, so no one's, no one's downloading anything on that um, or streaming anything. Yeah, Playboy Max, mate. Yeah, man. <laughs> Use your imagination. Like that, for me, it was always, that was my, that was my go-to, was um, the imagination, imagining something, something. Like, I think for so many men, we are visual, so... Porn can offer us that in a way that's like we don't have to think to imagine something. But then the power of imagination and the power of whatever that might be can create the wanting. What I've realized lately is with addiction, as the craving goes up, the hit lessens. And it just keeps going up. So we keep having to heighten the you know, our receptors to go like what's more crazy, what's going to give us more of a hit even though it doesn't. So the craving goes up, the the response goes down and it's like, it gets to a point. What was that point for you? What was like, I can't do this anymore. I got to a point where I'm like, what am I watching? What was it for you? I think it was an epiphany. Like the, I can't pinpoint the exact moment but I'm pretty sure, like, and I'm, like, pretty certain about this, that it was the epiphany going, what am I doing with my life right now? Like, I'm, at this point, we've been more in a relationship with porn than any other female or just person in my life where this can't go on anymore. Like, I have to, I can only rescue myself. Mm. That's the, that was the hard truth. I'm like, no one can save me because mm. I was too busy trying to be saved when... I'm trying to rescue people, couldn't rescue myself. The moment I realized I have to rescue myself, I'm like, well, this is, this is the day where I have to take ownership of everything. So I did. Mm. And we, we both know this in men's work. It's like, what is a small goal to start with? Let's just start with a week. Then let's work on another week and another week. And then I got to like four months and I was like, well, let's go for another month. And what can I do if I really want to, watch some porn like what can i do instead that is going to be more stimulating for me holistically Mm. than jack off to some fantasy Mm. yeah right and so that's cool though i like this i like this for so many of us the epiphany is like that self authoring that pivot in the road that crossroad where it's like i'm gonna make a change here and it's like literally like flips that switch it's just like i'm done you know and then from that moment it's like creation because to me the warrior energy that so many men have is like that destructive energy like i'm gonna destroy this habit and create something different you know and the the question i always ask men is when was the last time you self-pleasured without your cock you know, and having that as like, what? Like, what do you mean? It's like, totally, like, you can love on yourself, you know? Like, how do you actually love yourself instead if it's not some external input? Like, how are we creating something that's fulfilling in us? And so, what would you say now? How has that impacted on your relationship with your partner now, one year later? It's allowed me to be more present which is love to me. Mm. I saw a psychologist last year because I wasn't in the best of places and I'm doing men's work. I'm seeing psychologists. I'm seeing multiple ones because I'm not afraid to ask for help. And we came to a conclusion, like this guy is like an absolute wizard. He is a G. And he said to me, well, we both figured this out, but I'm like, I need you, arti- I don't, I'm having trouble articulating what actually just happened, what we realized. And he said, Toph, when you are 
an anxiety or some sort of depression, which is past or future focused living in a fatalist kind of way, not in a hedonist kind of way. So not for pleasure, in, yeah. hedon- in for fatalism. He said, you are tyrannizing people, especially when you're fo- future focused. You are tyrannizing people, but you're tyrannizing yourself more than anyone. Mm. So if you're present, that is what love looks like to you. And I'm, I stood, I sat there and he goes, are you okay? I said, wow, <laughs> holy shit. That makes so much sense for me. I have to be present so I can be loved from myself, first of all. Yeah. And when I can allow that f- when I'm with my partner or with you, like nothing else really matters. Mm. So when I'm with my partner regarding if I remove porn, I can be with her. It doesn't matter if we're in bed or we're just having an activity that we're doing or we're cooking together. When I'm present with her, like that's not only love with each other, but that's love from a self point of view. That fills my cup up. Mm, That's beautiful, man. Yeah. I dig that. And I dig that it's just like from one epiphany with an an addiction causes, you know, that, that growth of like, What's possible? What is possible without it? Because it's not a life of just not having it. It's not like it's empty afterwards. You know, there's so much pleasure to have in the day-to-day tasks, the day-to-day things, the monotony. I think for so many people, especially men that I sit in circle with, it's like they want the one. They're chasing this one person in the... have I an ideology that it should be a certain way, like a fantasy, like you said. And it's just like beautiful moments are just in the little moments. Like that's what creates it, you know? And the being present part, like hearing you talk about just being present in the moment is like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a cool breeze on a hot day. It's just like, oh, there it is, you know, the simple things. That's fucking awesome, man. So, so love that. So, you grew up in Brizzy or you grew up on the Goldie? Born in New Zealand. Moved to Australia with mum and dad when I was six. Lived on Goldie. Two of my high school days. Then lived in uh, Gold Coast Logan area for the majority of my high school days. Mm-hmm. And then went travelling for a few years um, after school. So, I've... I've I'm a bit of a nomad, like I've been all over the place, but I've also like home is here as well. So, yeah. Yeah, because that, that sort of rings true for me. It seems like for you, the the times that we've chatted, it was like, yeah, you were here and then you were there. What was traveling like for you? What was that like? Did you finish school and go head off straight away? Like what's the what was the goal for traveling? What was the want and desire that you had to see the world? The sad truth is to run away. Dealt with a breakup. So after high school, I was with my proper, like, first ever girlfriend. And we were together for about three and a bit years. At the time, I was studying mechanical engineering. I was working. We went through a breakup. And I said to my best mate, I don't want to be here. Let's go travel the world. So we traveled the world. And unfortunately, I wish I knew this sooner rather than later. But we were just looking, which pub can we get? can we go to as soon as possible every time like i don't think there was one night where we weren't drinking or getting on it and then the following years i decided to go back indefinitely and travel and see more of the world and i did see the world but i didn't appreciate the moments i was still running away from something right and then that's when validation really kicked in for me where i did not was not happy with the person i was so every time i looked in the mirror I don't want to be that person. I want to be that person. So let's just get really fucked up so I can be that person. Mm. It never ended well for me. No, it doesn't. Mm. The wanting to be a certain way. What does that person look like? What was that pie in the sky individual? What was the persona? What was the mask that that, that guy, like what's drunk toaf like? The cool dude. That's what it's meant to be. Like right. I was wanting to be... I wanted to be seen because I was never really seen as a kid. And from who? My dad. Nowadays, I love my dad to bits. Like, I love him more than ever. I see a best friend in him every time I see him. But that kid then may have not got the love that I got from mom. 
So love is love, right? And it comes in different forms. We're talking different generations. There, at the time, I'm, I didn't have any proper male figures around me. So that's why when I came into men's group, I'm like, I am being held very similar reaction to what you said at the mountain. Mm. Not like I didn't trust men. I just didn't know men could help me because I was always more favorable to women because I feel like I was more raised by women. Yes. So I, going back to your question, I wanted to be the cool guy because that's what looked like the thing to be. Because I was never really that, like in quotations, <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. Okay, so that going then, well, let's step it back further. So growing up, was there a, because you spoke about love and the differences and I definitely felt that the difference between the love from my mom versus the love from my dad, it was definitely different. What was it like? What was the relationship like growing up with your mom and your dad? Mm. Dad... How do I say this? Dad was like, he didn't make it to any of my sporting events because he had to work. Like he had to provide. And I get that now. I totally understand that now. Um, like I would say mum was there more for me. She was just more present mm. because we, we both know this, like to spell love to a kid is T-I-M-E. It's time. That's the big one. It would be time. However, when I was doing like my bullshit crazy marathons and ultra marathons, like one event I did, man, was run on a treadmill for 24 hours. Mum and dad were there the entire time. There was one event where I ran around a 400 meter track for 24 hours and dad was there the whole time. And I'm like, I fucking love you, man. You were there. You, you hauled ass just as much as I did. So that support came in later on. Mm. But the love is probably stronger than ever. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. I I have a different... Yeah, I, I resonate with that. It feels like I can actually let my more of the love in from my parents now that I've done more of the... Got rid of more of the story that I had because that's what I just heard from you then. It was like, now I get it. Because I'm sure as a kid, what was it like when your dad wasn't at your sporting activities when you were a kid? Oh, it was heartbreaking. It's kind of like, because I didn't have siblings. I had my cousins and we were pretty close. But little kids love their dads. They love being on their shoulders. They just love their dads to bits. No matter like their background, they don't really care about that stuff. And realizing now that dad was just doing the best he could, he's probably trying to put food on the table, which is 100% what he's doing. And I look at my like i didn't meet my any of my dad's parents unfortunately they passed away before i was alive my dad is 49 years older than me so we're talking two generations older than me mm. there is a gap there so when i think of his how old his dad would have been like holy shit different values different different like different world <laughs> it's like, when was your dad born 42 wow so his dad was probably born in <laughs> early 1900s, late 1800s. I'd say early early 19. So yeah, that's scary. But it's there's a reason why you and I do this work now. So we can cause a generational shift. So totally. it doesn't matter how old of a difference between our kids are. It's more so that we are very conscious of our actions. Yes. And I feel like that's what we're dealing with now in the world as well. It's just like... We are dealing with the repercussions of the way that we've been doing, you know, global warming and big business and everything like that. It's like, it's almost like up to us. Like we're actually like, I feel like we're the generation that's gone, hold up, there's a problem. And now we're going to have to start turning this thing around. And it's like, you know, my son's nearly 15. He'll be 15 at the end of next month. And it's just like, what world is he going into, you know? And I can't imagine what it was like for your father to, you know, grow up. Like, I'm the first generation to be a parent that has a kid that only knows technology because I grew up without it, you know? I only had a phone when I was like, yeah, later teens. Phones only became a thing, you know, around, must have been like 2000, something around then, mobiles, like regularly, 
obviously there was mobile phones a lot earlier and yeah just the the conversation like what is your dad going to tell you about in the internet and like phone usage and you know hey go easy on your screen time like um, is that a conversation your dad's having with you no <laughs> you know and it's just like nowadays it's like that, that's the definite sorts of conversations you know and like how that each generation has the different things that pop up like i've realized that time and time again now in men's work is like really getting to understand a man through understanding his relationship or what his father's upbringing was like and that's one of the things that we do in the samurai brotherhood really well is we do father shares each man has 11 minutes to share about a story the story of his father how he grew up where he grew up what it was like for him growing up what the relationship was like growing up between the man and his father and um highs and lows like stories around it good times bad times and i think every time a man shares that it's that deeper understanding of like oh, i can so see how you became the man that you are right now and i guess that's a question that i have for you is like what made you the man that you are today and why is Toph the way he is right now how did he get to this point I love how thought-provoking this question is. Intuitively, it's like everything happens for a reason. I'm a big believer. Like that's a huge proponent in life for me. Like everything happens for me, not to me. And we were talking about these Gallup strength tests before. And my top one is connectedness. So like this gets me hard, this conversation, because it's not surface level. I love deep more than anything. And it's just getting to the, like, understanding each other as human beings, like what makes us drive. And for me, how I grew up as a natural-born people-pleaser, like an attention-seeking whore, like, <laughs> growing up, <laughs> made me... Look, it, it really put me into different um, situations on, like, how I handled myself. But it wasn't until I came across adversity when that wa those walls would smash me in the face to understand and to get curious with it like why the hell am i acting like this and i think curiosity has been the key play here like mm. yes there's emotion involved and yes i have to remo remove the emotion and, and ask for help but that connection of going to understanding why other people react like this and that's what it comes down to it comes down to connection for me so i can relate to someone else who has hit rock bottom and not have any judgment, but to have a proper conversation and relationship with them and be like, oh, I feel the same, but we're so different. And I think that's what it's all, that's where it's come down for me. Mm. To be the man you are right now. Yeah. Awesome. What's next for Tove? What's next for Tove? So I... It's it's not what's next, it's what's already happening. I'm going to just say that. So I, when we had this conversation, and I, this is what you opened up and what you prefaced this, <laughs> we were at a friend's housewarming. Epic housewarming, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and you asked me what I was been up to, and I think my missus overheard the conversation, and she's like, oh, he's going he's gonna to quit his job soon. And you're like, are you still fucking working in there? That's what I'm pretty sure what you said. And I said... No. Yeah, I, yeah, I am. And I took that on board, but I was actually kind of doing it already. But I'm like, no, that's... I don't want to use the word validation. That should be enough reason to hear someone else see the pain that I was going through. So that's love for what I saw. That's care. And to really put that into play and go, you know what, I'm actually going to quit this job. Best thing I could have ever done. All the opportunity that's come from it is just surreal i don't even know like how like when one went one door closes multiple ones open so i quit that job to turn my side hustle full-time and it's i never thought i would first of all like everyone's like focus on your passion i think focus on what i'm curious about and it becomes a passion hmm. and i was doing side uh, i was doing podcast editing for a couple clients and it just kind of like I don't know, it just caused a snowball effect. And I love this stuff, man, because it comes down to connection. I get to edit these people's podcasts 
and I'm listening to them from start to finish for two reasons. Like, what can I learn from this? But half of it's like free therapy for me because half my clients have been in the mental health space. So it's, it's, it's fucking awesome. Mm. And to help someone with their podcasting journey, because obviously there's a brand awareness and marketing strategy behind it, but to also help them get their, get their message out and to help them create over longevity because the, what is it? It's I think 13 episodes before that is the average until someone gives up on their podcast because they realize how much mundane is involved. Like there's all the editing. I've got to find the guests. There's so much elements involved that no one knows behind the, behind the scenes. So I'm that soundboard. Hence why I call the business soundboard. And because it kind of looks like it's literally voice on a pad. Um, yeah. So that's what's next to me. It's still going, but yeah. That's so good. I just, I, I distinctly remember that. And it was because my businessman on a mission is like totally trying to be in alignment, right? Like men aren't lazy. They're just out of alignment, you know? And it's just like, when you get aligned, you get lit up, you know? It's just like, oh, this is actually good. I like this, you know? And to hear, you know, the conversation that I've had with you in the past when we've sat in circle is like, oh, I'm in this place and I don't want to be there. And then it's just like, dude, you fly, man. You know, you got so much good energy that I want to see that in the world, you know? And I want to see you doing it. And like... For the listeners, Toph, you know, gave me the lowdown on how to even start this thing. So it's just like, you know, it was a desire of mine and it was, to me, it was divine timing and reciprocity all rolled into one housewarming party, you know, like just to have that 10 minute conversation where <laughs> we just, yeah, totally love bombed on each other, you know, and I so appreciate that, man. Felt so good. Yeah, nice, mate. Hmm. So men's work. Mm-hmm. What are you currently doing inside of that? What are you currently learning and what are you currently curious about about yourself at the moment? What's some new piece of yourself that you're delving into at the moment? Some part of your psyche, some part of your understanding. To keep it real time and to keep it Keep it real as well. I went through a tantrum on the weekend. I've, I'm going through this growing pain in business where I'm working home 24-7. Like, I'm, no, I take that back. I'm working at home and I'm just working at home. I'm not seeing people as much as I would like to. So I'm slowly having social anxiety. And it's like I'm enjoying the loneliness. It's weird. It's the masochist, it's not weird. It's like, oh, this is suffering. I'm, I like this. There's a part of me that likes to suffer. Yeah. And the other day, I was, I was saying to my partner, like, with all the work I'm doing, I feel like I'm not enough. I've done so much work on why I'm, like, I know I'm enough. Like, I have, I am enough as passwords for specific social media and that, like, as affirmations. Like, I type this shit out, like, um, and I know I'm loved. But there is that thought of what is success? I'm like, why the hell do I always relate money or especially in business to success? And it should never be that. If anything, money comes as a byproduct. Money comes as a result of doing a great job. And I look at it now where I have to remove that notion and I have, like, I've had to change my my definition of success to get past that. Hmm. What is it? So there's a few things. There's a lot, obviously there's a lifestyle element. There is dream clients element. So there's like an ambition to chase something, but that is more exciting than going, oh, I have to hit this much money this month. Like, that's not fucking... That doesn't get me hard. No. I might as well go to porn. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same. The outcome... I, when I did my Gallup strength test, it's like outcome's not a thing for me. It's the, it's the journey for me. I actually like looking in the weeds rather than looking at... I don't look at things for the outcome. You know? So I get that. I hear you on that. What else? There is... 
and it's like little things like I've, i'm already starting to book myself into co-working spaces like i'm doing one tomorrow so i remove that uh so that i get to set up my days that i want to i'm like i have the ability too i just haven't taken that leap yet because mm-hmm. i'm too busy trying to do the operations of the business itself like when i'm editing i want to be in like a, a quiet space or doing what i need to do or so it's it's those small little it's like i'm trying to sweat the small stuff because i feel like the small things are incremental so yeah it's it's more of a lifestyle thing that what i can do for my work that is beneficial for me and it's the it's the thought of turning this challenge into like a fun experiment as well so that i know that doesn't seem like men's work related but that's how i get past of knowing that i'm enough Mm. Like I am enough and it's just turning this into experiment as opposed to just going straight to I'm not enough and I'm just turning into an introvert. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'll be enough when, you know, having that outcome thing or when I have enough money, I'll be a certain way. It's the be, do, have rather than have, do, be, you know, or either or. I, I always speak to it as be, do, have, but it's just like who do I need to be right now to do that thing to then have the result, which is a way better way to be in life brother i've had a ball thank you so much for coming on man how do people get in contact with toph uh first of all man thank you for having me it's been a pleasure it's won't be the won't be the last time <laughs> I'm so. get, get, getting you back yeah so i'm um from a business standpoint if you want to reach out to me like any sort of podcasting editing or strategy um i'm known as soundboard so instagram and and linkedin and even tiktok actually um so soundboard um, underscore au, and then if you want to reach out to me personally, it's tof t o f e dot evans on Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, all those. Dude, it was an absolute pleasure. I loved every moment of that, and um, thanks again. Thank you so much. And for the listeners out there, uh, be in contact, reach out, tell me what you think, and I will see you guys next week. Thank you.